Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. The societal damage caused by the sexual revolution is far-reaching. Rolling Stone magazine recently boasted about the extreme forms of sexual perversion that took place on a daily basis during the course of a workday in their offices. Apparently, they had no reservations against informing the world that the women working there at the time would rate the sexual performance of the men they worked with via graffiti on the bathroom wall. These people and this magazine have played a major role in shaping the minds of young people over the years. A brief look at our society will confirm this fact, and their influence has been devastating. The sexual revolution sought to tear down the societal institutions and constructs that were in place to protect young people, primarily women, from various forms of sexual abuse or exploitation. But this crowd convinced the world these institutions were restrictive and hindered their ability to truly live. They gave no thought to the possible consequences. They had no clue she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. They tore down these useful constructs thereby opening the floodgates of sexual perversion and confusion. This lascivious group of fools believe society's overall unwillingness to permit lewd behavior was repressive. The sooner they could set free from said repression, the sooner everyone could benefit from these newfound freedoms. Too often lasciviousness is confused with liberty. From that time until now, this relentless overdose of sexual perversion helped to produce modern-day sexual saturation. We now live in a time when confusion and perversion have merged into the same lane. We struggle to see the difference between the pediatrician and the pedophile. The school teacher is arrested on the basis of sexual relationships with her students. College campuses have phones lit with a familiar blue every few feet in case the young girl can reach it before being raped. I wonder how many members of the sexual revolution in the 60s have lately had to comfort a daughter who bore the fruit of their labors. Or maybe they had to weep over a son's prison sentence, a son who lacked understanding or societal constraints to prevent his carrying out sexual expression without the consent of his victim. 
Our media is often far more influenced by the minds of pornography than we may know. The Daily Express, a newspaper in England, is owned by Richard Desmond, who made himself into a media mogul through pornography. Rupert Murdoch, the one-time CEO of Fox, including Fox News and Sky News, was at one time considered the largest producer of pornography in the world. How is that for being fair and balanced? By the way, Rupert Murdoch is also a disciple of Rick Warren, which is just an interesting connection. A preacher with lying lips and a porn mogul intermingled with conservative news. You may also be familiar with another network owned by Murdoch called the Christian Broadcasting Network. It seems the revolution was able to break down an array of restrictive walls. The leading influences in the world around us seem to be in a rush to get us further down this road. Vulgarity, promiscuity, and perversion are conflated with seemingly mischievous behavior. Coarse hearts with unbridled appetites demand the right to be satisfied, maintaining no concern for anyone harmed in the process. This unbridled hedonism has led to various forms of profitably controlled chaos. The sexual revolution fought hard for its definition of freedom, kicking against every trace of moral restriction until little is left to kick against. The revolution rages on, but with few barriers left to break down, they have turned their attention towards ideas. The world is now expected to take a man serious that calls himself a woman. We are seriously expected to believe every baseless accusation made by women, often the same women that fought for a society with no sexual boundaries. The idea that man is to have access to an endless measure of choice and pleasure is naive at best and sinister at its worst. Regardless of the idea, people are being physically harmed as these ideas are lived out. Ideas have consequences. A moral societal construct exists to protect the vulnerable from those negative consequences. This persistent demand for the ablation of restraint should be reaching tipping points. Unfortunately, the people that should care are too busy enjoying the content of the sexual revolution to mind. Outwardly, they pose as if they have concern for the helpful moral restrictions of old, while behind closed doors they are participating or taking pleasure in them that do them. At least in part, this continued revolution takes ideological aim at anyone attempting to stand for any form of morality especially a biblically prescribed morality. They use vile and subversive tactics to tear down any semblance of virtue. The easiest and possibly the most successful of revolutionary attacks are against the character of the individuals standing for any form of rightness. In our day, it's too easy to make manifest the failures of one's life, especially in terms of the virtue they intend to defend. If at any time in life they participated in the evil they now advocate against, their virtuous stance is then required to be viewed as enduring hypocrisy. Thus, defenders of morality are halt in that they are too often double-minded and fulfillment of unbridled appetites at any cost reigns supreme. Shock value is now the arbiter of truth. Shock value can make one famous, even infamous. The trouble is the shock value of yesterday will not have the same effect today. Sensation hits its peak and then begins to fall rapidly. Thus, the providers of sensations will have to be more and more extreme 
and the consumers of sensation will speed ahead or chase close behind the next convention-breaking moment. At this point, extreme is the rule. The more extreme, the viler. The more vile, the greater the damage. Laws of obscenity still exist. Yet at this point, they are but mere unenforceable suggestions. Relics left behind from a time when America cared. Today, there is more pushback against legislation meant to curb obscenity rather than outrage over the existence of obscenity. Obscene forms of media have become the rule. They are not ashamed, neither could they blush. They don't care. I recall the days when satire magazines and grocery store checkout lines were laughable commentaries of the absurd. We would see them and immediately shake our heads at the outrageous headlines. Today, the satire is everyday life in America. Outrageous magazines are hard to sell because reality is so closely aligned. We now exist within a society that believes extreme forms of sexual perversion are in fact inalienable human rights. Pedophiles believe they have the right to engage in sexual activity with the children of their choice. We have well crossed the tipping point in our societal experiment with the unnatural. It will be hard, nationally speaking, on a legal basis to continue to deny pedophiles the freedom to harm children. If two men can marry one another and women can legally abort a living human being for the most arbitrary of inconveniences, how can any lines of restriction be drawn? The existence of these ideas should be odd to anyone, but our governing laws now go as far as our population is willing to go. That is a scary thought. This means as long as society is willing to spiral out of control, the legal system is obliged to follow. The purpose of the existence of laws is to prevent the line from being crossed and to uphold some sense of natural and national morality. But when the laws are constantly moved along with the lascivious affections of the people, then laws no longer have a purpose. The inmates are now running the prison. We live in a world heavily weighted in favor of the perverse. The sexual revolution is not done yet. But this deeply engraved tendency of man to live out that which is hidden in the dark recesses of their minds was extant long before the rise of the perverts of the 1960s. Pornography is defined licentious painting or literature, especially the painting anciently employed to decorate the walls of rooms devoted to Bacchanalian orgies. Bacchus was the Roman god of agriculture. The Romans associated this false god with the harvest. He was said to be the son of Jupiter by a human woman. His main responsibility was to wander the world educating people on how to make wine from grapes. Curious to see the consistent connection between drunkenness and lewdness. Bacchus had a Greek counterpart, Dionysus. Dionysus was considered to be an earlier manifestation of the same god. He earned the title of a party god, primarily because of his promotion of drunken orgies. In the springtime, Roman women would attend secret ceremonies, of which I would not dare describe. These sexual free-for-alls took place to honor their god. <laughs> Due to his connection with the harvest, a celebration was held each year in his name at the beginning of October. His ultimate mission was liberation. During these perverted drunken frenzies, it was said that he loosened the tongues of the participants. As a result, the people involved were free to say and do what they want in that moment without consequence. 
This, of course, sounds like the modern-day Democratic Party platform. Bacchus is often portrayed as effeminate, funny, and lewd. So, as far back as the 6th century, pornographic materials were painted on the walls of the rooms where this drunken perversion took place. As such, today pornography can be defined in a number of arbitrary ways. Loosely, it is the representation of sexual behavior in books, pictures, statues, motion pictures, and any media intended to cause sexual stimulation. This, of course, is very subjective and is limited or expanded based upon the relative taste or motives of each individual or group. The pornography of yesterday is the family television of today. Interestingly enough, the word pornography is taken from two Greek words, pornai, which means prostitute, and the word graphene, which means to write. Thus, its original use was to define any material that depicted the generally understood life and work of a prostitute. Now again, in our world today, this would describe a large portion of photos and videos that make up social media. Women today have been convinced exposure of their flesh is equal to liberation. The more women are given over to the characteristics of a prostitute, the more they claim to be free. Thus, the subjective nature of pornographic material coupled with the apparent everyday practice of the average American woman certainly makes the term pornography broadly applicable. The term is relative to the individual or group involved. Sadly, Christians in America have become content with depictions the Bible would certainly declare inappropriate. Yet Islam will not allow such open debauchery to exist in their societies. That doesn't mean their societies lack various forms of sexual depravity. They most certainly do. This type of religious hypocrisy has existed for some time. In the medieval era, it was seen in the sexual depravity of Roman Catholic monks and priests. That hasn't changed. As of December 2019, 5,000 new cases of sexual abuse were filed against the Roman Catholic Church, which is expected to cost them another $4 billion. By 2019, thousands of victims have been named and billions of dollars have been paid in a feeble attempt to recompense the children that have been physically, emotionally, and spiritually damaged. In 2018, Pope Francis made a fool of himself in a rather unique way. He claimed the victims of the work of his clergy were fabricating their allegations. Yet later that year, he apologized and went on to express shame and sorrow for a consistent history of abuse by the Roman Catholic Church. It seems a rather odd mistake to make for someone that claims to speak ex cathedra. One rather notable case in 2018 involved a high-ranking cardinal and bishop of the Catholic Church. The sexual predator preyed upon adult males and minors, but at least he opposed gay marriage and abortion. Fortunately, the Pope dealt harshly with him. He ordered him to a life of prayer and penance, whatever that means. The Vatican had a trial resulting in the laicization of their clerical pervert. He will serve no time in prison. It seems Rome is just carrying out the salacious fruit of their pagan roots. The works of Bacchus are still carried out and exported by one of the most pagan and depraved organizations to exist the Roman Catholic Church. At this point, it should be considered abusive to allow a child or young adult to ever step foot inside a Catholic Church. 
Bacchanalian ideas were further propagated in Europe with the manifestation of the printing press. Over the years, as technology has advanced, it has somehow been used to further spread lewd literature and images. In 1558, the Heptameron was published. It contained 72 tales, stories that illustrated virtue and honor as well as the frustration of vice and hypocrisy. Much of the language was deeply sarcastic and meant to highlight the licentious lifestyles of monks and clerics. This book was among a group of publications that began to open the door for unnecessarily descriptive content. In the 18th century, printing technology became more advanced. Printing material developed the ability to regularly produce written content that possessed images. With this development came an underground group of perverts that began to traffic lewd materials. Books such as Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure began to be commonly read. Pornographic pictures were produced under the guise of art. In Paris, these photos were widely produced and consumed. In France in general, these photos came to be known as French postcards. Soon, pornography would be used as a means of social and political dissent. The use of pornography helped elevate ideas of sexual freedom for women, whatever that means, as well as contraceptives and abortion. They all seemed to be branches from the same corrupt tree. By 1830, when Queen Victoria came to the throne, it is estimated there were more than 50 pornographic shops on Booksellers Row in London. During the Victorian age, pornography flourished in England and in the United States. In 1890, a book called My Secret Life graphically detailed the life of a man whose only pursuit was sexual gratification. It was lewd rebellion against the Puritan-based society of the Victorian era. Proponents of the sexual revolution would consider the production of such perverted material at this time in history heroic victories by the party of sexual liberation. But the revolution is not finished yet. It would later be televised. The 19th century brought about photography and soon motion pictures. Of the many wonderful uses of these inventions, pornography quickly seized its opportunity. Pornographic films were readily available as early as the 1920s in America. By the 1960s, the sexual revolution is in full effect and a massive upsurge of pornographic film came to exist. The 1980s brought about a shift in the use of pornography. The invention of VHS meant sexual perverts could sit at home and watch alone in the dark. They no longer had to make their way to theater seats or enter a convenience store and embarrassingly purchase pornographic material. Now they could take the theater home with them. 20 years into the VHS era, more than 75% of all videos sold were pornographic. In the 1990s, this problem was made worse by the invention of DVDs. As if this was not bad enough, in the 90s also came the World Wide Web. In rapid fashion, the pornography industry became the most profitable industry on the internet. But this again brought about a massive change in the dynamics. With the advent of the internet, individuals could take pornographic photos and videos of themselves and upload them to the internet. This has proven to be a disaster. Pornography developed many of the initial internet marketing techniques. This is considered a victory by the revolutionaries because mostly women were the developers. 
The mid-1990s brought about much debate over the use of pornography on the internet. It was hotly debated on the Senate floor. Interesting to note, while the West is debating the use of pornography on the internet, Rwandans were being brutally murdered in the Rwandan genocide. Nonetheless, over the years, the pattern has been new invention, expansion of pornographic materials, outrage by the moral majority, then a measure of acceptance of debased visuals by society. As the debate raged on, the question literally became, how do we protect our children and free speech? So far, in terms of pornography, free speech has been safe. Children have become a hot commodity for the Roman Catholic Church and the porn industry. Human trafficking as an illegal industry has been fueled by the high demand of the porn industry. Due to its great lack in regulation, along with its nearly endless freedom, it seems the answer to the question, speech remains free, children have become abused captives. The concern was that children would find porn on the internet and ruin their hearts and minds, which they most certainly did. But the porn industry decided to take the sexual revolution a step further and include debased means of harming children. The Senate did take up a resolution in 1995 that intended to target anyone that placed pornographic materials online. The idea was to prevent easy discovery by anyone under the age of 18. Oddly enough, Bill Clinton signed the Communications Decency Act into law. The Senate understood if something was not done at that time, the sexual revolution would hijack the information revolution. By 1996, technological innovation and marketing would combine. A man who owned a marketing company that brokered ads for pornographic websites, in other words, a lewd fellow of the baser sort, joined up with a man hoping to benefit from the technological underworld. The man owned a domain name that would be of great benefit for the perverted mindset searching for pornography online. It soon became clear the federal regulation signed by Bill Clinton did little or nothing to stop the onslaught of pornography online. The idea of age enforcement didn't stop children from accessing porn. And to make matters worse, the massive demand now includes the abuse of children to help sustain the industry. As the numbers of computers and homes began to rise exponentially, so did indecent exposure. This marketing group began to develop banner ads that would lead searchers to pornographic membership sites. The idea was to place these banner ads on scores of unrelated but frequently visited websites. You and I knew them in the 90s as pop-ups. The ad would flash before the person, enticing them to want to see more. So they click the link, which takes them to the pornographic website. This idea would develop the standard for all future marketing in every area of the internet. Companies that have products to market online rely on this exact same method today. The value of such ads is still calculated in a similar fashion as well. The marketer would benefit from impressions, that is the number of times these lewd ads would load for visitors on a site, secondly by the number of clicks, which meant that someone was redirected from a legitimate website to a pornographic website. This initial marketing scheme profited the website owner some $30,000 per ad. The website owner put the word out in Las Vegas that he owned the online space and the marketing scheme needed for this to flourish. 
Porn drove the VCR industry in the 1980s. Thus, evangelists of the porn industry was warmly welcomed by the technology moguls of the day. Their hope was to have porn drive the information age just as it had done with VHS. Online businesses were failing. People were taking chances, hoping to understand how to make money with dot-coms. Yet the Wall Street Journal began to note how pornographic websites were strong in the black. It didn't take much to be successful. The website owner simply needed a blank slate to fill with perverted banners. Defiled minds would be happy to search out and pay for access to these visuals. The underground world of sexual exploitation would be hard at work creating the necessary content to be hosted on the various sites. The world at large moved past the outrage of staunch sexual content online to becoming amazed at the innovation of the respective marketers. The world of online pornography developed a means of credit card payments online, video hosting, and many other technological advancements. Major aspects of all we know and use online today were developed as a means of marketing and profiting by the porn industry. By 1997, the Supreme Court shot down the previous attempt at regulating obscenity on the internet. Personally, I love freedom, especially freedom of speech. But we have reached a crossroads here in which pornography as a form of freedom is harming the lives of millions. Over the years online, pornography has dominated the internet. I have to say, until doing the research for this series of podcasts, I was naive to the seriousness of the problem. As of 2018, laws against pornography are no longer relegated to obscenity, though that is bad enough. Current laws dealing with pornography are directly related to human trafficking and child exploitation. Current measures to slow down this massive form of victimization are prevented from moving forward by groups such as the ACLU, the Center for Democracy and Technology, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and the Free Speech Coalition. Oddly, these groups often land on the side of exploitation, all the while calling it a defense of freedom. The porn industry, of course, is against any forms of regulation. They often respond by stating their belief that parents are in the best position to protect children from pornography, which is a novel idea, expecting parents to actually take some responsibility for whatever is set before their children's eyes. Furthermore, it does seem odd to be lectured by the members of the porn industry regarding the safety and welfare of children. Child trafficking and sexual exploitation essentially exist today for the purpose of producing content for the porn industry. This provides a perfect picture of this present evil world. Irresponsible parents being lectured by pornographers that use children to produce their content. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Suffice it to say, this monster has been allowed to freely grow. One online porn mogul is the company MindGeek. They own several web-based porn sites that produce what they call entertainment. MindGeek websites receive around 115 million visitors daily. Compare that to YouTube, which receives around 30 million visitors daily. By January 2020, pornography makes up around 12% of internet web pages. 25% of all search engine requests are related to pornography. 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic. 
70% of men visit pornographic sites at least monthly. And women make up some one-third of all internet visits to porn sites. Sunday is the most popular day of the week that pornography is viewed online. Thanksgiving is the most popular day of the year for the same. Often as much as 28% of computer-based labor visits pornographic sites during their workday. That means 28% of the people who work for you that use a computer at some point throughout the day are watching pornography. In the age of COVID-19, this information is most alarming. When kids are out of school for an extended period of time, searches for pornographic sites by children rises by 4,700%. Now, the sites should not exist, but this is a direct result of failed parenting. As of April 2020, during the COVID-19 home detention orders, various watchdog groups report a 95% increase in online child pornography traffic. Let me be clear. I'm not speaking of children searching porn at this point. I'm speaking of children being used in the pornographic content. Innocent casualties of the sexual revolution and the freedom to mass produce pornography. This same group reports that pedophiles have seen the value of moving their sick practices of preying on children online. They are targeting your children. The various groups that intend to exploit your children for the purpose of content by way of vile sexual abuse often use Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to accomplish their devious goals. Many of them use dating apps. Why your children would be on a dating app is further evidence of failed parenting. I would suggest parents have failed if their children have access to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The reality is these apps are used by and for adults. It is not safe to allow children to use them. The content is often vile and your children are exposed to morbid ideas. The relationship between the internet as technology and pornography as a form of content has explosively dangerous results. A massive number of people taken for the purpose of human trafficking are coerced online. Often the young and vulnerable are targeted. Once they are in the hands of their traffickers, more than three quarters of victims are then advertised online for the purpose of sexual exploitation. Porn sites are ready to receive any of the images from these exploited men, women, and children. Often, Backpage.com and Craigslist.com are used to advertise them locally. The production of pornography is often facilitated by the use of force, fraud, or extreme forms of coercion. The physical and sexual abuse is recorded and photographed, then uploaded to the World Wide Web for sale to the sick and twisted minds that have developed an interest in such materials. I would like to end here with a testimony from a young girl that was abducted and forced into human sex trafficking. She is a victim of this form of free speech and the sexual revolution. Please understand this testimony is graphic. If you have any inclination to consume pornographic content, you need to listen to this testimony. If you are settled on the fact pornography is evil content that is not pleasing to God, therefore you will not consume it, then I would recommend not listening any further. By the time Rachel was five, she had already been sexually abused by a family member. This plunged her into a state of depression she could not understand at her young age. 
By age 12, she was targeted by a sex trafficker. She didn't know his intent was to force her into this horrendous industry. They don't exactly show up with signs advertising their intent. No, he was smooth talking and he had a nice car that caught attention. As Rachel was waiting for her friends to catch the bus, the sweet talking man approached her with candy. He showed an interest in her to which she was not accustomed. The man, though much older than her, was such a gentleman. He really seemed to be able to relate to her. Over time, the man would show up there and talk with her. Eventually, she gave him her phone number. One day he called her, which greatly surprised her. He asked if she would like to hang out. She said yes. He showed up at an appointed meeting place in an expensive car. She was very excited to have this opportunity, especially with someone that seemed to care about her. The trip went great. The man treated her very nicely. This series of events happened repeatedly over the next few weeks until eventually the man asked her to come and stay with him. She reluctantly agreed. They lived together for three months, during which he treated her like a princess. Eventually, she noticed other girls were passing through with his friends and cousins. She was suspicious, but uncertain what this was all about. Soon, the man that had treated her so well began giving her odd instructions. He began to inform her what would be required of her and how she could perform in such a way as to make more money. Soon the instruction ended and she was forced to start working. She would be taken from city to city. From 10 a.m. to midnight, she would be forced to perform. The first few days, she was only required to see 20 men per day. Eventually, it was 30 men per day, seven days per week. She estimates she was raped in this manner more than 40,000 times. She was forced into brothels, hotels, dark streets, homes, and much of it was on camera. The men she encountered were cruel and ruthless. Any attempts to protest or any complaints of dissatisfaction led to her being beaten by her trafficker with a chain. Rachel was ushered from place to place with other girls some of whom were only 10 years old, all forced into the same situation. Eventually, Rachel was found to be pregnant. After the birth of the baby, her traffickers took the baby and used the children as leverage against her. Rachel was eventually rescued when an anti-trafficking raid kicked in the door. She was trafficked in this manner for four horrible years. While perverts sit and debate their sexual independence, Girls like this are being forcefully violated. While fools argue their freedom of speech, children are being taken and used in vile ways by adults who intend to exercise that so-called freedom. Something serious needs to be done. I'm afraid I have come across very little information in my lifetime that I have found to be so grievous. The connection between simply watching porn, exercising free speech, and the sexual revolution need to be clearly documented. Modern man is so convinced they are sexually enlightened. Convinced of their revolutionary freedom, they no longer deal with shame, jealousy, frustration, confusion. They can now sit back and enjoy the deep levels of contentment this newfound enlightenment brought about. Except, they are far from content. The demand for sexual freedom is now a freight train barreling full steam ahead. 
As such, it cannot stop. Even if a child is found in the way, the child must be counted as an unfortunate victim of revolutionary sexual freedom. Chaos now abounds. Unbridled lust walks to and fro, arrogantly seeking whom it may devour. The sexual revolution has been a disaster. Pornography and human sex trafficking is the fruit of this disaster. Thank you for listening. God bless. you enjoyed this podcast you can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com you can hear more plenteous redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you also inform us of future topics that would interest you thank you again for listening to the plenteous redemption podcast